This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Teach As Well. Teach As Well empowers educators with the skills and resources to lead school wellbeing initiatives that are responsive to the wellbeing and learning needs of all students. One of the resources Teach As Well offers is the Compass Journal, which is designed to support the wellbeing of teachers throughout the school year. The Teach As Well Compass puts weekly strengths-based reflective prompts and a series of systems-aware collaborative tools in your hands that you can put directly into practice. And the best thing, the Compass is date-free, meaning you can pick it up and use it at any time during the school week or the school year. You can purchase a Compass by visiting teacherswell.com. We want to thank Teachers Well for sponsoring this episode. Their founders are a pretty cool team. SOS Palestine is an NGO, not-for-profit, that was established in 1966 to support children and young people at risk due to family breakdown or the loss of a parent in Palestine. They offer programs to strengthen families and to provide out-of-home care services in Gaza and the West Bank. As you can imagine, they are currently working harder than ever and financial support is needed. You can learn more about their work or make a donation by visiting sos-palestine.org. My name is Megan Corcoran and I'm the director of the Wagtail Institute. In this podcast, I invite some pretty cool people to come and have a conversation with me on all things trauma, healing, education and well-being. I started this podcast as I realized some of the biggest learning that has happened in my career has been through meeting really great people that are working in the field and having great conversations with them. In this episode, I'm joined by one of my favorite people in the whole world and the best tour guide in all of Palestine. I'm not going to use his name because in this episode, we deliberately don't share his name to protect his identity. We talk about so much in this episode and he does so with so much humor. But we talk about the complications of living just outside of Bethlehem, of meeting someone with a very different ID situation to him, falling in love and getting married. And we talk about the current situation and what life in Palestine is like on a general basis. I'm so grateful this episode could happen and I hope you enjoy listening. Um, So welcome to the 21st episode of the Wagtails podcast. I have one of my most favorite people in the whole world joining me on this episode. Um, I have a friend joining me from near Bethlehem in the West Bank. So welcome to the podcast. I don't know what you want me to call you you for this episode, because I know we don't want to like give too much about identity away. So what would you like me to call you for the episode? Whatever you like, tell the people to call me whatever they like. (laughs) You know know my way, so I don't mind. Well, why, why, but but we have to clarify why we have to keep our identity hidden, uh, because basically Israel is the most moral country on earth. And it's the only democracy in the Middle East. So their democracy is extremely high that we can't keep maintaining it. We, we can't we can't handle it as Palestinians. So for a post on social media, you could you could spend at least six months detention without any accuse. Mm. Could be up to six years for supporting terrorism if you just post anything. Yeah. Anything. Anything we say could be used against us as supporting terrorism from their perspective. So it's democracy. They practice their right to arrest us. So it's fine. Practice so the far, right so. to arrest you. <laughs> yeah, so we won't be um, saying your name during this episode just to ensure that, yeah, obviously we want to keep your identity protected so that you feel free to talk and say whatever you'd like to say sure. on this podcast. Um, so I always start the podcast by just asking the guests to tell everyone a little bit about themselves and their life 
Um, so what does your life look like right now? And I know it's in a very different situation to when I saw you. Well, last. first, talking about myself, um, my life is, well, first, um, from, I was born in Bethlehem, but I live nearby for because of my status, because of my family life. That I will, I will mention it in a few minutes. Um, almost 35 years old, a tour guide. Um, the so best tour guide in, in Palestine. Appreciate it. I hope so. But um, uh, I'm, I'm a tour guide since 2011. Nowadays, definitely because of the war, I'm guiding my daughter at home. So I mean, it's still <laughs> still quite fun. But um, but the life is quite complicated here. So um, I live literally seven kilometers away from my parents' home, and I need to travel at least for two hours to reach them. Literally seven kilometers, which is nothing. But because of the checkpoints um, that we got on the way. So from my home to my parents' home in these seven kilometers, I got one, two, three checkpoints, military checkpoints. Right? And you can do it only on feet. You cannot cross the checkpoint with on vehicle so far. And that's mm-hmm. since 7th of October, since the war took a place. Um, as I said, I'm a tour guide. I'm married twice with two daughters. Uh, one of them is seven years old. She'll be seven within a, 10 days. And the other one is two years and a half. Um, because I'm a Palestinian with a Palestinian ID card, they cannot live with my family legally. So I'm living illegally with my family uh, because they are from Jerusalem. So my wife is from East Jerusalem, which means that she's an Israeli resident, not a citizen. And she cannot live outside of the borders of Israel. Otherwise, she would lose her right of being in her own hometown. She won't be able to stay even in the country. She would be forced or transferred to Jordan. Uh, because the people of Jerusalem considered by Israel as Jordanians who lives in Israel, Jordan don't recognize them as citizens, so they're statelesses. Mm-hmm. The only option they got is the Israeli residency. So, um, and according to the Israeli law, I cannot apply for a permit to live with my family before I reach the age of 35 and one day old. So oh, I need wow. to wait eight, eight months and one more day to be able to to apply for for the for the permit that was called family unification permit and uh based on that my wife cannot live with me in Bethlehem or in any Palestinian city and I cannot live with her in in Jerusalem mm. so there is some zones um that some some places that it's quite hazy so part of the village that I live in is Palestinian under the Palestinian authority control the other part is under the Israeli control and there where I live in terms of legal, of law, I'm not allowed to live with my family. Now, as I said, Israel is the most moral country and the most democratic state on earth, and at least in the Middle East. Um, obviously, you can see what the media and, and their, 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 their behavior. But anyway, um, they allow me to visit because they're too generous. They allow me to visit my family one week every 90 days. So I can apply for a permit one week, once every, 30, every three months or 90 days. That would allow me to visit my family for one week only, seven days, from Sunday to Saturday, 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. So I'm not even allowed to spend the night with them. Mm. And, you know, when, when you got a couple who are living together the whole time, troubles would be more. So they try and make sure that <laughs> we get we, we get a break so we miss each other. Right? So, <laughs> it's a so kind way of making marriage in... work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, therefore, I live illegally with my family. Yeah. Now, um, economically, 3 7th of October, 
well, the, the, the occupation didn't really start in the 7th of October. It started in 1948, first, then 67, and from 67, till this very moment, we are under the Israel occupation. Right? So economically, we are totally connected to the economy of Israel. So we got almost the same living costs, but with one-third or one-fourth even of the Israeli salaries, of the income. Mm. Right? So economically, it's extremely tough here. We don't control any of uh, any, any borders as a Palestinian. So everything importing and exporting goes via Israel, and we have to pay the taxes for as well. So um, building factories or uh, new infrastructures always needs an Israeli permit, uh, which is mission impossible to get. So yeah. you can wish, but they, they are not the magic a lamp of Aladdin. So they won't make all your... It's true, but um, uh, that, that, that makes it way more complicated. We don't really have a real economy at the moment. We've got a kind of name as the economy, but we don't really. So, for example, since 7th of October, the whole permits for Palestinians were plugged. There's no permits issued at all, right? apart from a very specific medical permit. So um, knowing that 10% of the Palestinians of the West Bank legally works in Israel with, uh, with the permits, so we lost 10% of our economy. Um, cities like Bathline, for example, realized totally on tourism. Yeah. We got nothing at them since 7th of October. Um, the traveling from a city to another is, is, a, is, a, is a real challenge at the moment from a town within the West Bank, within the Palestinian territories. Moving from a place to another is a real challenge, a real, um, real big issue. Um, when we leave our homes, we make sure to say to have a good look at our kids, our families, because we don't know if we're going to meet them at the same night or not because of what happens at the other roads. So, for example, today for an accident, not even an accident, a guy did a U-turn with his car, got over 20 bullets next to him in his body and his face. Mm. So got executed uh, for, just for a U-turn. Uh, at least that's what was published. Yeah. So um, you, you, you never know that Every single moment of our lives is a real adventure. And that's the fun part about it. <laughs> You've still got your amazing every sense single of humor day. despite the situation. Every, uh, seriously, every single moment we live through, we got another new story to tell our kids mm. if we manage to, to tell them in the future and to tell our, I mean, grandkids or whoever, friends or a new more story, a lot of new stories to share with people. Yeah. So what's happening for your kids at the moment, like your seven-year-old? Is she going to school or there's no school at the moment? No, well, my, my daughter is in, in, in a school in Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, the schools are working. They don't really matter. In the West Bank, it's still also running the schools. Yeah. Right? Not, not the whole schools are doing the real schools. Some of them are because of the settlers' attacks and the, the difficulties of the roads. They do the, the online studying, the e-studying. But my daughter goes to the school so far. But even my daughter and my wife is a teacher, so she goes every day to her, to her work. But um, every 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 single day is a real challenge and a huge tense for us. Worrying about our families traveling within at the main roads, going to Jerusalem, going to wherever they want or wherever we want because of the settlers, the the, the attitude of the soldiers. You could be, as I said, you could be shot just because a soldier decided to. Hmm. or attack because a settler decided to attack a car because they um, they believe in, in the very famous logo they say death for Arabs hmm. so death for Arabs and that's by the way uh, 
they are well represented in the Israeli Knesset or Parliament by Ben Gvir and Smutrich and Netanyahu as well. So, yeah. Yeah, we talked um, in episode 19, I had another Palestinian friend come on and we talked a lot about settlers and we talked about the fact that they never really face like a conviction or a charge for any of the the crimes that they commit towards Palestinians as well. It's like very rare. There's only a couple of cases where, where they've had a criminal charge, um, even when they've killed Palestinians. Yeah, they got released later on. Oh, they and they get, get released, released before, yeah. before before even they, they finish. I mean... Just uh, before I came to with you on this podcast, I um, about the Israeli news mentioned that a Palestinian prisoner in the, in the Israeli jails last month got attacked physically attacked by 19 officers, mm. and they kept hitting him till he passed away. Oh wow! Uh, he was 38 years old, and yep. the only thing, according to the testimony of the other prisoners who were released, that um, he asked, "Is there a, a, a ceasefire or not?" We stopped for, even for a while or not because of the news they were trying to hear. So um, it, it is relatives. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying before that it. So, and, and, and by the way, by the way, the, the 19 police officers who are supposedly applying the law got interrogated, as what the Israeli media said, but they didn't find them guilty, so they were released. Didn't find them guilty. So 19 guys. Killing a guy who's prisoner, who got no power, got no weapon, already a prisoner in the jail, but they're not guilty enough. Mm. Yeah, it's so hard to imagine. And you're saying before yeah. as well that it takes like up to two hours now to go to your parents' home in Bethlehem. Um, what actually happens on the journey between your home and getting there in the current situation? Well, before before 7th of October, to be honest, it used to take us a few minutes, like 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? 10 minutes maximum would be there, but at the more or 15 minutes. But now, um, well, at the entrance of the village I live in, there is a checkpoint. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they open us, it's, it's, the whole road is blocked. They keep the space only for one vehicle, one car to pass. And most of the time, there would be soldiers there checking the cars, checking your physically sometimes, I mean, based on the mood of the soldiers, based on how, on how old are you. Um, during the check, you could be slapped, you could be kicked, whatever, but these are just kind of the spices of the food. So they're making your life, putting more action into your life. Um, your phone would be checked, definitely. And if you got anything, any post on social media, they open your social media, your, your gallery, whatever, any picture, any, anything connected to the current situation, right? even the news. If you, if you are following up any news channel um, and they find news about Gaza or about what's happening in the West Bank, You'll definitely lose your phone. Your phone will be broke immediately. And uh, in case scenarios, you'd be slapped a couple of slabs. In some cases, you would lose a couple of your teeth. Mm, unbelievable. So after we cross that one, we meet. I got at least in these seven kilometers, I got three checkpoints. So uh, we crossed three of them. From each one to another, you can take a taxi, but you cannot cross it itself or pick a car, but you cannot cross it itself with your vehicle oh, unless wow. you are so an Israeli citizen. Even the seven kilometers now. So, like, now you can only catch a taxi to one. Yeah. Get out, walk through. Exactly. Taxi. Yeah, okay. So, f- from my home, from my home, which is roughly two kilometers away from, even less, one kilometer and a half away from the entrance, I take a car. Mm-hmm. Then we quit it there unless it's open and that the soldiers are allowing people to move on. And we get another checkpoint. So, we, 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 we the other checkpoint definitely got to cross it on feet and then pick another car. Wow. Yep. So that's now very going different. to and, and that's 
And that's that's just within seven kilometers. So imagine if you need to go to another place, yeah. go to to another city like Hebron or Jericho. I'm going to Jericho, for example. For me, is impossible. Yeah. There'll be at least twenty checkpoints on the way. Yeah, which is so different to when I was visiting. Um, I was actually visiting right. just before your daughter was born, so it's like seven years ago now. Yeah, which is crazy. But that, yeah, like, but... I mean, it was still difficult then. It, it still took a really long time. Look, I was living in Naples. At the time, and I'd come to visit yeah. you, and that might take me like two hours, maybe, like if I'm having a hard time getting through. But that was from Nablus no, to Bethlehem. No. But now, now it's impossible. Now, if you're coming from Nablus to Bethlehem, you need to to manage to to, to keep in concern that you're gonna spend the whole day on the way. Mm. Yeah. And you need to calculate it. To you need to think about it millions of times before you travel because it's really risky. Now, Hawara, for example, South Nablus, a village. Yeah. The whole entire town is totally, the whole shops are totally blocked since 7th of October. Mm. They allow literally a pharmacy, a bakery, and uh, one of the small grocery shops to open and specific hours, specific number of hours a day, limited number. Remember when we went to Hebron? Yeah. How many checkpoints we've seen in Hebron? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Hebron have been, have, was a model, and now it's applied literally all over the West Bank. Oh, wow. Yeah, so for those listening at home, do you want to explain, like, the situation of Hebron, like, and what that, what Hebron looks like? Because we didn't really right. talk well, about Hebron Hebron. last time. Right. So Hebron is the largest Palestinian city south of the West Bank. Um, the, Hebron is quite more complicated than the other cities. It got more divisions than the other Palestinian cities. So part of Hebron called H2, which is under the full, it's, it's fully, under the Israeli control, and, and within the old, within parts of the old city of Hebron, there is at least 67 active military checkpoints. Right? So literally between a checkpoint and the other could be less than 20 meters, and sometimes even less than five meters between each one and the other. Yeah. And um, the kids going to their schools who lives in that area, they have to cross sometimes up to 10 or 15 checkpoints each way from their home to their school or back and uh, also being physically checked. So imagine uh, six years old ch- kids going to their schools. Instead of going, leaving home at 7, for example, to be there at 7.30, they have to leave at 5.30. Mm. Make sure they arrive on time after that. Plus the harassment of the settlers. Yeah. So um, now the whole Palestinian cities, villages, and towns in the West Bank are totally blocked. Checkpoints are, t- the, the roads totally blocked with uh, either with the gates or with a um, bunch of, of theirs. They put the huge rocks blocking or blocks blocking the roads. And they allow people to leave through these uh, through these uh, specific entrances, not the whole entrances. So Bethlehem, for example, got like seven or eight entrances. There's only one open. Mm. Right? So And it's, it's open only for a few hours. So the law would be a kilometer or more of cars trying to leave or get in. Yeah. And so what's so, happening? And, and it's the same all over there. Yeah, so that that's yeah. now happening everywhere in in the West Bank. Exactly. Yeah, because I remember visiting Hebron with you, and I was just, it was really confronting because there were times where we'd be walking together, and then they wouldn't let you past a checkpoint, and you're like, "Oh, you should go, you should go check it out and see what it's like," and I'll I'll wait for yeah. you here. <laughs> just because you're a Palestinian, you couldn't like walk further with me, and they would let me go, but not you. Like it was confronting to, yeah. to look at that situation. It's, it's it's really insane. I mean, imagine as one of you, if if anyone or anywhere else in the, in the whole world got any Jewish region, any any Jewish origins. Which, by the way, I'm I'm not. I have nothing against Judaism or Jews. We're talking about the current situation. Yeah. As yeah. a Jewish person, you can claim according to to the Israeli laws. You can 
um, you got the right imputation of return, right? So mm -hmm. even if you have never heard about this country, if you just now converted to, to Judaism, none of your ancestors have even heard about this country, you have the right to get the citizenship and come and live in the country wherever you want, yep. right? or almost wherever you want. But a Palestinian who was born in Jerusalem, a non-Jew who was born in Jerusalem, their ancestors for hundreds of years being there, right, are not allowed to live outside of the borders, even in the next city, a couple of kilometers away, mm. because they will be losing their residency and they'll be kicked out of the country. Yeah. As a local, as a Palestinian, who my ancestors have been here for at least 800 years, I'm not allowed to go to, to live with my own family, with my own wife and daughters. I can't escort them to a doctor or take them to a school or even go to, the, to, to, to my daughter's graduation mm. just because I got a green ID card, which is a Palestinian ID card, because I was born on the wrong side of the wall. <laughs> when, when I, when I, well, there was no wall by that time, but yeah. in, in general. Yeah. So um, my father didn't plan it well when he went to the hospital. They choose the wrong hospital by that time. So, <laughs> anyway, so I can't, I can't, I can't even. And, and by the way, it's not only complicated for the West Bank. Even in Jerusalem, if you are yeah. not a resident of the old city of Jerusalem, of the old town of Jerusalem, even if you got a, if, even if you are from Jerusalem, you cannot enter it. Now, since seventh of October or eighth of October till this moment, if you are not from the old city, you cannot enter the old city as a Palestinian. Oh wow! Yeah. Right, so. Yeah, but that's yeah. not discrimination on apartheid. That's for security reasons. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know. I mean, if I was if I was living there, I wouldn't let you in either. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> 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 I'm, gonna... <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious about um, like because I know the story about you and your wife, but I think a lot of people would be really interested because um, I guess for her, she she had very different living situation to you, and now she's she's probably in a very different situation because of marrying you as well. So like, how did you meet and how did that all, all happen? And, and what to her family? Well, first she, did, first she did the biggest mistake of her life by marrying me. But anyway, um, <laughs> the point, well, she's from Jerusalem. She's from Jerusalem. So she was studying in a, in a university called Bethlehem University. I was a student over there. There where we met. We fell in love for her bad luck. So um, <laughs> because, because of the complexity of the situation. So, um, we got married. Well, to be honest, we expected difficulties, but we didn't know that the reality of it till we lived. Yeah. So being nervous 24-7 just because of who you are with, right? uh, being, being extremely careful with each letter you say, with each word you say, so you won't be affected, that won't affect your life with your family, being stricted with what you can do in your life, what you, can, you can't express your opinions or your, your feelings because you're worried that that would affect the permit that I would get if I would be able to get it, so I would lose the chance to be with my family in a more comfortable situation. Mm -hmm. For her, it was extremely difficult at the very beginning. I mean, um, she couldn't really understand how, how it goes. I, I mean, either. I mean, it was shocking for us the difficulties, how strict the rules are, uh, what, what tough situations you'll be in if, if you misplay with the law, if, if you just didn't really follow the law literally. Yeah. Um, but um, as what I said, it's an adventure. So, <laughs> an adventure, <laughs> a very adventurous <laughs> life for sure. Yeah, definitely.
And I remember when I was visiting, so, which was so long ago, but you were even trying to find out if you could be present at your daughter's birth. And I can't remember if you were able to go or not, but I know you were trying to get permits and there was like concerns about the fact no, that you well, may not be able to be there. It, like the, I, I'm, I'm extremely lucky person, so, um, to be honest. I mean, so um, I got a permit, but two days before my daughter was born, my permit was expired. Uh, so literally, my daughter, my daughter was born on, on fourth of January, and my permit was expired on on the second of January. So the permits, by the way, so people can understand, when you get a permit as a Palestinian, we get a permit to go to Israel. Doesn't mean that it's an open permit, right? It's it's extremely restricted. Which hours you can enter to tell which hour you can be in there, uh, which days of the week, um, and it depends on the top of the permit. So my permit was expired. And uh, when the time came, I called the ambulance. So the, uh, the, 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 the what's it called, Magin David, which is uh, the, the Star of David, the Red Star of David. Yeah. Uh, we called them to come because my wife is an Israeli resident. So they said, no, it's an Arab village. We cannot enter there. We're not entering there. It's dangerous. So I was like, oh. like it, it, everybody cannot attack you because you're going to the zombie. What if you're going with an ambulance to save a life? Anyway, so I had to drive my wife with my car to the to the entrance to an entrance of a settlement, an Israeli illegal colonial settlement, where the ambulance was waiting. So uh, the first question they've asked me, "What is your ID card? What are you?" That's what literally. I said, "Well, mm -hmm. I'm a human." I start laughing. Said, "No, I know you're human, but I mean, what are you?" I said, "What do you mean with what are you?" I mean, are you Jewish, Muslim? I said, "No, it's obvious. It's very obvious that I'm Muslim." My wife is wearing the hijab. So, yeah. yeah but what, what are you? Are you a Palestinian? Are you an Israeli? So I left and said, no, definitely I'm a Palestinian. I mean, what the hell is the color of your ID card? Is it blue or green? Blue is the Israeli one, green is the Palestinian one. So I said, green. So do you have a permit? I said, well, I had a permit. It was expired just two days ago. So you don't have one at the moment. I said, no, that, that was the, the team, the ambulance team that they came. So they said, hey, we can't take you with us. It's like, seriously? Yeah, well, we're sorry, the Lord, we, we cannot take you with us. So you need to call your... Your parents or her parents. As what I told you, I'm extremely lucky. So my parents were in a wedding in another city. And her parents were up in the north. So they were not even in Jerusalem area at all. And the nearest one needs at least an hour and a half to reach us. At least. Right? Wow. So um, they started you know, calling the center. According to the laws, they can't take her alone. An escort must be with her, one of her family members. So um, it took, it took about 25 to 35 minutes for them calling everyone around, calling the, the, the central station, calling the, the Israeli intelligence, sending, taking a picture of my ID card, sending it to them. I make sure that I'm not a possible terrorist, that I got a clean security record and so on. So um, finally, the driver said, you know what? Screw the rules. I, I don't really care. We're not talking about politics. I'll take you on my own responsibility, but you need to make sure that you won't even leave to the smoking area. You have to stay within the building next to your wife because if a police officer passed by and checked your ID card, you'll be definitely arrested. So we went to the hospital, but I'd entered illegally. Then in the hospital, um, I went to the administration office. I don't know what office was there. Asked for a report that my wife is giving birth in the hospital there. So... I can't apply for a permit, but it was evening. So anyway, the intelligence office was closed. So they refused that the first day. Said, so no, and, um, wait until tomorrow. The next day, they passed it to me. I had 
the same that to my brother. So we'd go to apply for the permit and wait for the permit to be able to go to, to just to get downstairs to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and without, I don't know without, how much that would be killing without, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, definitely, I was extremely nervous. It's our first baby, the first time we see everything happening. Yeah, and that's such a um, complicated the, the whole situation. Yeah. But the second daughter, it was quite easier. I went to the intelligence office to, to apply for a permit. It was covered, so my daughter is a covered baby. Um, she, literally, the, the, the soldier told me, you know, I don't, li- I don't like how you look like. So get uh-huh. lost. I was like, I got, what the hell do you want for my, my shape? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking for you, Hannah. I'm not proposing for you. So I just need a permit to take my wife, who's, who's literally, who was literally in, in labor. So I need to take it as fast as possible to the hospital. So he said, you got two options, either to live a life or I got a lot of knives inside. So I got a lot of knives means I can shoot you, throw a knife next to you and say that you tried to stab us all. And they, he refused even to see the application. He refused to read the report, the medical report that I got from the hospital. So I drove the car all the way to the checkpoint. And that was 20, geez, two years ago, 2021, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, it, was, it was way less tense than it is at the moment. Right? Movement was way easier than it is at the moment. Yeah. So I went to the checkpoint, and the soldiers there at the checkpoint said, uh, where are you from? I said, I'm from Bethlehem. So you're a Palestinian? I say, yeah. And what is your ID card? They gave the ID card. You're trying to enter Jerusalem illegal. I told them I'm going in an emergency. That's the medical. I got a file like with a thousand people in. Right? To prove that first I'm not a, a terrorist. <laughs> and to prove that she's my wife. Seriously, to prove that she's my wife. And to prove that she's going to give birth while she was in labor. <laughs> and so it's so thousands of, of documents we've got with us. I mean, it's really fun when we travel outside. But anyway. So the soldier, when he saw the whole thing, he said, why you didn't apply for a permit? I told him, because your colleague didn't like how I look like. Seriously? You're kidding me? He said, no, I swear. That's what happened. Call and ask him. So he did, started to do a lot of calls. Then uh, my wife was quite dizzy, and she couldn't, and she was really in pain. So my daughter in the back was, was crying because she was scared of the tens of guns around us, surrounding mm. the car. So um, then he came, the soldier. I don't know how many calls he did. And he approved my entry, so he allowed us into that to the hospital. But it was quite faster than the first time. I can't even imagine how stressful now, mo- that would be for you and your wife, like just knowing that she's about it to give birth and you're not stressful. sure. Like if they refused entry, like what would happen? Like she'd have to. She would have to drive while giving birth to the hospital. Oh. Yeah. Now the third we're expecting the third one should be arriving on May. No, based on the situation, I don't know how it's going to be happening. But yeah. I'll, I'll keep you updated with that later. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I love that you can still laugh despite the situation. It's very complicated. <laughs> like when, when you're born here, you got two options, either to take everything with a sense of humor or get a heart attack from the first day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, for those listening at home, they um, I just wanted to explain as well, you were the first Palestinian that I ever met. Um. Because the first time I came into the West Bank, I was with a group of friends who, um, like, they still, we were talking about them the other day. (laughs) Um, But it was funny because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to get out around. We didn't, like, have much time to research it. So we we were like, let's just book a tour guide and and we'll just do it that way and we'll just see see what we can learn and, and visit that way. Um, and so you were the first Palestinian that I ever met because you ended up, we were lucky you ended up being our tour guide and by far the best tour guide in, in, in the West Bank, <laughs> definitely. 
Um, and then the second time I came, I wasn't living in Bethlehem. I was living in Nablus, but we, we spent a lot of time hanging out. And sometimes you would bring tours to Nablus and I'd come and meet everyone and would get Kanafa. Yeah. And there were some times where you even drove me to my, uh, my classes. And yeah. Now we really miss Kanafa. I didn't get it for more than four months now. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, remember how I looked like? My beard was way longer than it is, way taller than it is at the moment. So. I literally looked like an ISIS tour guide by that time. <laughs> that was the running joke you used to always make. So yeah. the first time we came in, we were in a group and um, we had a lot of fun. So we ended up organizing to come and visit you again a second time and come and go to different places in the West Bank. And um, we had a friend who was too scared to come the first time, <laughs> that guy, James. I, just, <laughs> I had to make fun of him on this podcast. I um, mean, he was too nervous. Like he didn't know what to expect going into the West Bank. And then we got back and we'd had such a good time. So we convinced him to come the second time and he was, he was so nervous and I was trying to make him calm and be like, it's great. It, we had so much fun and you're going to love it. And then, um, when you called my phone to let us know where to meet you <laughs> and you organized your friend to pick us up from a checkpoint and you said, I'll oh, just look for the guy with the long beard. He looks like ISIS. Like you'll, you'll find him straight away. <laughs> and James heard this conversation and he got really worried. He got so nervous. <laughs> And then we found your friend and he didn't even have a long beard. Like he had like the shortest beard. Like <laughs> you were just teasing us. Uh, well, but even, even when he got to Bethlehem, when he crossed the checkpoint on feet, he was almost not able to breathe. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know how perfectly I make people relax. And I love to see people relax, not, not stress that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you played so many pranks on people, like the whole time I knew you. Like sometimes I would bring friends to Bethlehem from Nablus and just to hang out for the day. Um, and you'd, you'd get people to play pranks on us through Bethlehem as well. <laughs> so, yeah. Remember so, Sammy, right? I was about to ask how Sammy is. So Sammy's, for everyone listening at home, Sammy's this legend in Bethlehem who makes the most amazing coffee and tea. And he's just full of love and like full of laughter. But also he would team up with you to make pranks on people. <laughs> he's extremely yeah. perfect actress and he got the loudest voice ever you would hear him. He does have a very loud voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, how so is he at we, the moment? We, we saw, he's doing good so far. I mean, I didn't see him for, a, for more than a month now. But last time I saw him, he was doing well. Yep. And uh, a day... Um, Rockets came from Gaza to the area, and the alarm didn't work. Uh, no, the alarm from the government didn't work. So we suggested him to stop at the hell at the top highest area of Bethlehem and start screaming instead <laughs> of the alarm. <laughs> it would work way better. But anyway, so. Oh, that is so funny. Oh, but he's doing really good. Yeah. Yeah. So for everyone at home, he's like this guy, honestly, he'd walk around the streets of Bethlehem calling out for people to come and get tea and coffee. Um, but every now and again, yeah, we used to play pranks on people and because he was so loud and he's pretty intense character, a lot of people fell for the pranks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear he's doing well. That's really good. Yeah. What about your well, parents as well? Because I know, um, yeah, your, your dad always had a shop in Bethlehem as well. And I'm assuming right now things are pretty hard having the store. No, it's no, it's not hard at all. It's extremely easy because they have to do nothing at the moment. It's just <laughs> sitting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it gave more time for people to spend with the neighbors and so on. And he could, trying yeah. to to push the, the social relations better than but um, my parents are doing great. Um, they are now grandparents of five grandchildren. The last oh, one wow. just a couple of hours ago arrived. That's so amazing. So. Um, it's pretty noisy on Friday when we get there. 
Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, I bought these headphones. So, uh, <laughs> the kids running everywhere. Yeah. Um, now, economically, as what I said, I mean, my, my, the shop is totally. I mean, you, you, there is nobody to open the shop for. But even though, we just. I mean, he just go and said. Yeah. You know, I got chances from time to time, like once or twice a week, to visit them. So, because of the roads and, and the whole complexity. Yeah. So, um, but they're doing really good. Yeah, I'm glad to so hear far. that. Yeah, because even a lot of friends um, that have come to the area have met your dad as well because we used to go just hang out yeah. in the shop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's something I wanted <laughs> He's to doing ask good. He's ex- There's something I want to yeah. ask you about. I don't know if you remember, but um, not long after I came back to Australia, I woke up one day and I found a photo on my phone that you'd sent me. You'd just given a tour to Tony Abbott, one of our politicians. Um, do you remember this? <laughs> Yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah, so for those listening, um, a lot of my listeners would not be fans of Tony Abbott. Like most Australians that I'm friends with definitely um, don't have a lot of respect for Tony Abbott. So I just wanted to check how that situation so, was for you and, and what that experience was like for you. So, so if I'm a bit so I'm a bit offensive, they won't hate me, right? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, <clears throat> look, um, I was booked by a travel agency to guide a very, very, very important person. Right? <laughs> now, who's that person? They didn't even tell me. And anyway, even if they told me, to be honest, I don't know your politicians. I don't know your yeah. your um, leadership over there. So, There's um, nobody worth knowing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so on, honest to God, I don't know the name of the ministers in our own government that we didn't choose, but we got it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. I think we're living in the heaven here. We got a joke nowadays says in Palestine, we're living literally, Palestinians are li- literally living in the paradise. Because it's the only place without a work, you know. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was booked for, for uh, a very, very, very VIP person. The travel agency called me a couple of times to make sure that I won't talk about politics. Don't mention, don't open any or accept any political questions, which is not my favorite type of tours. But it was fine. I mean, it was, I don't mind. It's just a tour. I have to spend a couple of hours with that guy and that's it. Yeah. So a very fancy car came in. I was waiting by the checkpoint. And he got in. I introduced myself. And till that moment, I didn't know who he was. I got no clue who he was. So um, we passed by the separation wall, by the wall of hotel, the Banksy hotel. And he said, is that the wall that the Israeli built to protect themselves from the Palestinian terror? terror. So I smiled and said, well, kind of, sir, but your agency requested me to not talk about politics. So I said, you know what, the problem of Palestinians, you refuse to admit it. You refuse to, to accept that you lost the land and you should just, you lost the war and you should get over it. I told him, well, and he was really serious with it, so you, you know my, my way, so I told him, you know what, what's our bigger problem? He said, well, I said, we didn't have an extremely smart leader like you to lead us to that. So every, they start laughing, and then until this moment, I didn't know who he was. Right? <laughs> but Ben, he's a very he's 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 a very religious person. Very. And to be yeah. honest, he was really kind. Right? He was very polite, very very kind. Apart from that statement that he did. Okay. But um, I I don't know if he if he really under if he really knew what he what he was talking about or not. But anyway, Probably so we not. did the Church of the Nativity. Then we went to the church, to the church of the Nativity, to where Jesus Christ was born. We did the whole tour of the church. He got the time to, to pray. Whatever we've done there. Then we went to the shepherd's fields, another location next to Bethlehem, where the angel of God 
appeared to the chauffeurs and announced them with the birth of Christ. So there was a group of Australians who are originally Iraqis, right? Iraqi Australians. As soon as they saw him, they immediately start cheering for him, and um, they were celebrating. They couldn't do that. like they've seen that the. I was laughing with the other guy and saying, I mean, I swear if Jesus came now, they won't be happy as much as they're happy with seeing him. But anyway, that was totally fine with me. So I didn't want to, to seem that stupid or arrogant person who doesn't know who he's guiding. So I asked one of the Iraqis in Arabic, who's that guy? I mean, why are you really cheering? And he did a little speech for them, I don't know what, concerning the politics back home and so on. So um, he told me, he told me in, I, I don't know what, I asked him in Arabic to make sure that the others won't understand. Yeah. And I don't know what that idiot responded in English. said, how comes you don't know Tony Abbott? He's the best prime minister ever in the history of Australia. <laughs> it's like, first, why the hell did you respond in English? <laughs> That's yeah. the first thing. Yeah. The second thing, how do you expect that as a, a Palestinian who have no problems at all, living in the paradise, as we say, we don't have a work, right? Yeah, nothing to, to think Apple, about. Seriously. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so anyway, then... I, I knew who he was when when he told me when that guy told me that he was the best prime minister ever and so on. Oh well, that would be a fun picture to send to Megan. So I took a picture, took a selfie with him, yeah. and sent it to you. <laughs> so uh, it was a yeah. It was but the then last I figured about that. <laughs> last thing I was expecting to see on my phone was a photo of <laughs> you with Tony Abbott. But that was, by the way, that was I think a few months after he was kicked out of the office as well as or when he was done with his yeah, opposition. But uh, from that time till now, the vast majority of Australians I met were extremely disliking him. I don't want to use another word. <laughs> so they didn't really like him at all. Yeah, so. yeah. That, that, that makes a but lot to of be, sense. But to be also, to be realistic and honest, no, he was really kind and really gentle, polite person. Um, in my opinion, as a Palestinian, I mean, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't expect that everybody would hold our mentality or knows extremely, Good, our history, our suffering, our lifestyle. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he got no clue about it. Mm. So it's not really weird to hear that statement. But as a prime minister of, of a big country, he should have a little bit of a little bit of knowledge about the situation and which statements he should done. Apart from that, no, everything was really cool, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Look, to be honest, he's never been known as our smartest uh, prime minister. There's actually um, there was a time where he was visiting. He was visiting a small town. And um, they they were farming town, <laughs> and he, he picked up like a raw onion, like he just picked it up, and he actually bit into it like it was an apple, like it was like oh yeah, like you know celebrating the fact that these people farm, and he actually bit into the onion like with the the um, like it, he hadn't peeled it or anything, he literally bit into it, so it was all over the media that he just like picked up an onion and just like bit into it. <laughs> He's not very smart. Maybe he likes onions. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, so towards the end of every podcast, because we are, we've probably been talking for a while. I don't even know. <laughs> um, but I always ask a guest the same five questions to end a podcast. And the whole point is that you just like naturally say whatever you think of. Um, like don't, you don't need to pre-plan answers or anything like that. So are you cool if I ask you five questions that you don't know what they are? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Sure. Um, so the first one is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh to be honest, I didn't really got a big idea, but after the 10th grade, I wanted to be a genetic engineer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Any reason? Uh, my, 
No, no, I was just interested. I've seen something about it in, in one of the documentaries on TV, and it was really interesting. Of was extremely interesting how we could play with the genes and, and how we could, you know, make new things or try to find solutions for stuff. Yeah. But because cool. of my perfect behavior at classroom, <laughs> I couldn't make it. So I ended up as a tour guide. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that just reminds me. Which is engineering, me. by the way. <laughs> Which is also engineering because I'm engineering engineering the stories and the biblical stories that are happening here. That's true. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did half of my dream, not not full of it. Yeah, that just reminded me. There was a day where um, you took me. You had a friend that was teaching in Jerusalem, and you had a permit for the day, um, and we went together to visit his class because he was teaching um, boys yeah. who may have had some problems with the Israeli law, um, and they were in this class yeah. together. Yeah, and I remember like you were telling me how bad you are in class, and then you and I just kept talking all through his class, <laughs> like we were being the naughty students <laughs> in the class. Like even when you're a visitor in a classroom, you're still like the bad student. Yeah. No, definitely. And you know what? The, the the worst part that my 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 elder daughter is literally a photocopy of her dad. Uh... So the first semester I have done, they will be done on Saturday. Yeah. And they already called us like four times for her attitude. I mean, she's perfect with the with the with the grades, right? Yeah. So smart kid. I think she's the first, but bad father. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing, nothing to complain about. <laughs> I can't complain it at least. Yeah, I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the second question I ask everyone is, um, what are your two top values? So if you had to choose like two values that are like really at the core of who you are, what would they be? Uh generosity, honesty. Yeah, love that. That's good. Um, the third question is a bit silly. It's kind of funny. I don't know if you remember, but I'm really into boxing. Like, I still like love boxing, train boxing. Yeah. Um, so if you were going to have a boxing fight, what would be your walkout song? So that's the song that they play while you're walking out towards the ring. What song would you choose? I don't really know. I'm not really into <laughs> sports. What about music, though? Is there a song that, like, gets you, like, really, like, um... really amped up? I would probably sing one or choose a song that my daughter always sing it that um she's and she talks about peace for kids and uh, how how strongly they want to live in peace, being able to visit the that the beach without walls, to live without walls and security and so on. Um and that's for me to be honest, it's extremely sad. I mean to see my mm. seven years old girl. Yeah. Her dream is to be able to to go with her father without a checkpoint or a wall to the sea or to to the school or whatever. So that that, that I don't really know the name of the song because it was done by her teacher. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why I can't give the name. But I'll that's ask okay. her tomorrow yeah. and fix it to you. Yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be cool to just be able to hear yeah. it myself as well. Yeah. But yeah, but that is really sad to know as well that that's yeah, yeah. the dream of a seven year old girl in just outside of Bethlehem. Um, the fourth question well, is well, the dreams. Oh, the dreams going. of the of the kids of God, yeah. The dreams of the kids of Gaza at the moment is just to find a food that's a secure place. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very awful situation at the moment. Um, the fourth question is: if you could collaborate with anyone, so if you could work alongside anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? Probably my wife. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and why is that? Because she's totally opposite. Because she's totally her, her mindset is totally the opposite of mine. So she'll yeah. always correct me and stop <laughs> my 
overgoing. Probably <laughs> so, my wife. Yeah, she balances you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then the fifth question, which is the last question, is if you could make a recommendation as a step towards healing for people, what would it be? Towards what? Towards healing. So like healing from like trauma or like chaos or like just any of the hard things that we go through. Any recommendations? God. Mm, it's a tough question. Well, I'm looking for a recommendation, but as well in our situation, yeah, I'm looking for what? Um, I don't really know. I would I would recommend that it, it depends, but I would recommend people to that could be weird that might surprise you, but I would recommend people to go back to their religious beliefs and try to seek safety with God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That's surprising because you know me. That's why. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe it's helped you now <laughs> compared to in the past. <laughs> well, it's been so good to record this podcast with you. I just wanted to see, is there anything else you want to say before we finish up? A uh, couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who's really glad to be with you. Um, the second thing that... Um, Look for that when you want to get the, the news about any place, don't get it from one source, get it from multi source. Yeah. See the two sides of the story. Um, regardless of the case, always sympathize with the humanity mm. and be, be, be really uh, fair with it. I mean, so the, the Palestinian kids are not less than the Israeli kids, are not less than the whatever the Ukrainian kids, the, the, the Palestinian life worth as much as the Israeli life worth um, as, as the Australian life worth we're all humans yeah um, before you get any of the products that supports the war in the area remember that by consuming that product you are consuming the blood of the kids of the innocent kids are getting killed on daily basis just because they're Palestinians mm-hmm. um, so I would really encourage a lot of all, all the people to boycott because it works well. Um, and try not to play the role of the watcher. Take a step in your life towards what you believe in. You can, you, you can, your voice or action matters for your government, right? For, for the decision maker in your own country, because by the end of the day, they need you. You don't need them. They need you. They need your voice. So, um, um, and that's it. Yeah, no, really. And really keep good. us in your prayers. Yeah. Keep, keep Gaza and keep us in your prayers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and please, uh, as soon as soon as the war done, be sure to visit the Middle East, specifically Palestine. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll meet a lot of cute terrorists like me around here. I mean, a lot of funny people around here. <laughs> 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 and look, there may be a good uh, tour no, guide that they can they can have a tour with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, you, you, there is a lot of history, a lot of culture, and a lot of stories that, in my opinion, it will be inspiring for all of you in your life. I think. So, definitely, that's it. yeah, no, amazing. And what I'll do is I'll put a link in the um in the notes for this podcast as well, just around how people can know what they they should boycott. So there's a good Australian website yeah. that like lists all the like organisations and brands um, that people should try and boycott through this time as well, and just so people can get, get more awareness around that so that was a good recommendation thank you so much for making the time i'm going to stop recording now thank you wonderful listeners for making it right to the end of the podcast 
We appreciate you. If you like what you hear, feel free to subscribe, give us a rating. We'll be dropping a new episode roughly once per fortnight, so you can stay tuned for the next one. Thank you.